Just let your soul glow. Why, hello there. Welcome to Outside Perspective. I'm your host, Adam Meredith. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. If you are a repeat listener, you know what the deal is. Every week, twice a week, I'm sitting down with interesting humans from all walks of life, and I'm just simply trying to gain some perspective and hopefully help you get some perspective as well. Uh, This episode is brought to you by my good friends over at Jombo Superfoods. You can go to jombocbd.com, check out their full line of products. They have a whole array of of CBD products. What is CBD? It's cannabidol. It's one of the many compounds that's found in the cannabis plant. This particular cannabinoid has been shown to aid in many different things. Um, it almost really just depends on what you're deficient in. Um, it's an adaptogen, so it's, it helps the body find a place of homeostasis. So it's been shown to aid in reducing inflammation. It can help with gut health, um, digestion. It can help with your brain. It can uh, help with mood and sleep. Um, it's, it's an amazing, amazing uh, compound, and it's helping a whole bunch of people. So if you'd like to try it out for yourself, I personally use Jumbo Superfoods. Um, you know, they were voted um, or deemed the world's healthiest edibles, and um, they use all premium high-quality organic ingredients. They send everything to a third-party laboratory to be tested so you're not getting any of the junk in the fillers. Um, Go check them out. Go to Jombo CBD. They have sprays and balms and uh, a ghee, just tons of different things. Um, You can use the code OUTSIDE. When you check out, you'll save 20% off of your entire order. And I think they may still have it going on. Oftentimes, they have, if you buy two, uh, you get one for free, so you can get a hell of a deal. So one more time, go to jombocbd.com and save yourself 20% when you check out uh, by using uh, when you check out and use the code outside. Um, all right, my guest today is Josh Sampo. Man, I love this guy. I've known him for quite some time now man i met him whenever i was just a young lad 18 uh fresh at fresh at college we uh he was a senior captain on the wrestling team and i was a fucking freshman um but man we've been teammates ever since you know we trained together at saint charles mma he's actually the reason why i started training at saint charles mma you know he was there i knew him um, I heard all good things about the gym, and it was close to Linwood campus, so I rolled into there, and the rest is history. But, man, Josh is just a hell of a human being, a hell of an athlete. He was a two-time uh, state—he uh, was a two-time uh, state champion at wrestling. He also, as we discussed, he was a state champion in other sports. Uh, he was an All-American at Lindenwood. He made it to the UFC. He doesn't like to talk about himself, but I'll brag on him because he's a badass dude. I mean, he's just one of the most mentally tough and humble dudes you'll ever meet. He just puts in the work. He doesn't complain. Um, made it to the UFC, had a run there, and now, man, he's a he's a wrestling coach. He's a mentor. He's still training, competing. He has a big fight coming up here in New York uh, for Muay Thai. And uh, dude, I just I just love talking to him. So I'm gonna quit rambling, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the show, Josh Sampo.
Yeah, see? All that, we just had all this talk. Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) Joshua Sampo. What's up, man? Oh, man, so fucking... I'm glad to be finally on the infamous Imposed Will Adam Meredith's podcast. I know, man. I'm just trying to grow some shit. Hey, it's awesome, man. See what what blossoms. Hey. (sighs) Yeah, so coffee, caveman coffee on it. Yeah. Dude, I want to actually, so this is, it kind of ties into where I wanted to start with anyway, because I don't really know a whole lot about, you know, what what was Nevada life like, you know, before you came to Missouri and, you know, because I met you, I met you right, I mean, your senior year at Lindenwood, you know, you're at the end of your wrestling career there and, you know, I kind of, you know, I got to witness the transition into MMA, but like, I don't know any of the before. So, like, what was life in Nevada on the farm like? Ooh, okay, so I grew up in a very unique situation. I, I, I tell people I'm from Vegas because if I told you my hometown, nobody would ever understand what Alamo, Nevada is like. But it's, it's about it's 98 miles north of Las Vegas. It's about called Alamo? Alamo. Alamo, okay. Alamo, like the Alamo. Okay, yep, yeah, Alamo. It's Alamo. Um, it's 98 miles north of Las Vegas, straight up a two-lane highway, literally. One direction, the other direction. <laughs> There's no stoplights. There's two gas stations, no bars kind yeah, of thing. Like, I've been in places like super that. Super tiny. So there was 31 kids in my graduating class, and we were one of the largest. So my high school had a total of 106 kids, I believe. And that warranted, like, one high school for your area? Like, they didn't, like, try to ship you to, like, a nearby town or anything like that? There's a close. There's a town that's about 70 miles away, I believe. That was same, the closest one? Same county. Okay. But it's a d- another high school. Okay. It's Lincoln County High School. Well, I mean, and 70 miles is a big difference. It is. Uh, but they're like our biggest competitor mm-hmm. because they're the two, you know, they're a little bit bigger. They have three towns that combine into that one school. And then we're too far away. So we t- technically have two, maybe three small towns. Um, Rachel, Nevada is another place. That's where Area 51 is very close to. Yeah. Little Alien, all that kind of cool stuff. Yeah, we talked about that. Oh, that yeah. bar, dude. We'll, we'll get more into it. It's, Shit's about to get wild, oh, man. The, the, whole, the whole country's going there soon. Dude, yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, and then uh, there's another small little town called Heiko. Um, but just, I want to say just like rural farms, you know yeah. what I mean? Not like a big neighborhoods as yeah. you would, as you would see it like in areas like where we where we currently are in St. Louis and then Alamo is where I grew up and that was a big base that's where the high school the middle school and the grade school all were located but yeah 106 kids so and it's a, it's a huge mormon town it's like 98% mormon oh. there's three churches in this small town and the whole the whole valley there's about 2000 people so i mean it's super small yeah um every every kid plays sports um, which is what kind of upset me was I found this out later. My my old high school wrestling coach, awesome dude, never wrestled a day in his life, but he is an amazing coach. He kept us motivated. He kept us in shape. We watched technique videos. We tried to break it down as best he could, but he just lacked that experience factor of like, yeah. you know, like fighting through certain adversities. That matters in combat sports, especially. Dude, it's ridiculous how much like once I got to college and like coaches that just kind of understood the sport of wrestling, but from a, just a different view. I mean, he's a great coach, and that dude, that guy. Brad Loveday was his name, and he was amazing. He any opportunity that we had, I never, I didn't know about Fargo until I was a junior in high school. Oh, really? Fargo. I mean, like That's the biggest, the biggest. Yeah. I was like, this is amazing. And then wrestling is not that big in the state of Nevada, right? With having, I mean, there's only like three major cities. There's Reno, there's Vegas, and then there's a city called Elko. Not a lot of people know about, but those are like the three major cities. It's not that um, that prominent. Wrestling's not that big, mm-hmm. but you have 
Chase Pammy, who wrestled for Cal Poly, who was a national finalist. Um, you have Ryan Bader, who was on my national team. Yeah. You know, he fights for Bellator now. Right. These guys are all on my national team, and they're high-level wrestlers. I think Ryan Bader like took third in NCAA's a couple years at Arizona Yeah, but ASU is a big school for for wrestling, right? I mean, they got a pretty solid program, or no? Yeah, they do, but it's like they they recruit from California, they recruit from yeah. Arizona's huge in wrestling, which is crazy, but for, yeah. but Nevada is like you don't hear about a high number of um, very competitive kids. Right. We have our few and far between. There's Skylar and Scott Woods who um, both wrestle for the University of Oregon. Mm-hmm. And University of Oregon wrong guys wrestling. Are they? Well, I don't know those guys. Are they around your age? They're around my age. Yeah. Okay. Um, they wrestled for University of Oregon. I, I think they were all Americans. I don't remember, but now they're back and they're running high yeah. schools out there and they're uh, just taking. Oregon's over. not a program you hear a lot about when it comes to wrestling. It's frustrating that they dropped their program. They did, yeah. Uh, I think it was in two thousand, early two thousands, two thousand now. I early. remember hearing about that, but it was, um, but like back then, I mean, they had all that money. They do because they're like Nike is very associated with the University of Oregon. Yeah. If you get into that whole Steve Prefontaine and that whole um, Bobby Knight, I believe was involved with. Maybe not. I don't know. I don't know, dude. I, don't I know can't the remember story. the actual the names of the individuals, but Nike shoes, I think, was originated around the University of Oregon. Yeah, I think the owner went to school there, right? Something like that. Bobby Knight's a part of it. He has a book. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't read it though. There's a there, I can't remember the name of the the movie, but it's got to do with Steve Prefontaine. He was a distance runner. Okay. And he grew up in Oregon. Mm-hmm. Was, and because of him, like, well, the movie portrays it that he's the reason that Nike shoes kind of got its start. Mm-hmm. The original guy was trying to make um, he was hand making all the shoes for all of his runners. Oh, really? This coach was this track coach at the University of Oregon. Hand making them. Hand making them. Oh, wow. Like he would make the soles of the shoes in his wife's waffle iron. <laughs> Which was like, she kept getting mad at me because she was going through wall flyers like crazy. And he's like trying to find the right rubber combination to yeah, kind of cut down on weight. It's a process, weight. dude, to make yeah. something. And um, Steve Prefontaine, um, was, uh, he was sponsored by Adidas. So like his coach was like, no, I want to make you the shoes. He's like, no, I'm sponsored by Adidas. I'm just going to run with Adidas. Uh-huh. Um, and I don't think he, the movie portrays that he, I don't know really 100% that, don't quote me on this. Yeah. About the movie. But that's just, I know that that's a very big association. It gives you a rough draft. Yeah. Movies always give you the rough draft. Yeah. They're always based. It, yeah, it was. I mean, it was based cool. On true it events. was cool. Like just some of the things. And yeah, the, for the movie sure. was really good. Unfortunately, like and that's back when um, the AAU was big into like college sports. So once you went pro, you weren't allowed to compete in college in athletic. Yeah. yeah. So it's like once you started taking money, but they're like, we can't afford this, and they won't let us compete at certain levels. And he wanted to, to um, yeah. chase some of the sweets, some of the top dudes in the world. Is that smartwatch? Yeah, it is. Are you get notifications? Yeah, I just got a text, but I'm on a all the coaches that I coach with. We're all on one massive text. I'm with Fargo, uh, Fargo going on right now, dude. Or, I know, Sammy, because <laughs> um, we just had Shamrock FC, right? Yeah. And uh, so Sammy, he and I coached Jackson, and he got on the plane first thing in the morning so yeah. he can go and coach. Uh, I guess Henson. Yeah. Wyatt, no Wyatt, Wyatt Henson. Yeah. There we go. Um, so when you're so your town, the, like Friday nights. Did the whole town like shut the fuck down? Like pretty much. Well, pretty much. Everybody <laughs> you know I mean? was Friday night lights. Yeah, everybody was at the football games. Right. Football games were awesome. Um, but our women's volleyball team is amazing as well. They've won multiple state championships, and uh, I think up until about two years ago, my high school had the longest at the time current high school sports winning streak. Whoa. They were like 106 or 107 and 0 over a course of six or seven seasons. Oh, those girls were savages. But then this was for football. This wasn't oh, okay. for that. for football. And people are like, oh, well, it's eight-man football. It's small town. You know, they're only beating all these other farm schools and stuff. But they were traveling to California and competing against California schools and really? traveling all around. 
they lost that next season in the state finals. Oh, really? Which was unfortunate. But, I mean, that's still a pretty cool thing to have. Yeah. So they're playing with eight-man teams? They play eight-man football. Oh, okay. So like seven-on-seven, essentially. Kind of. It's once you get to the outside, you're going for yards. So it's – and since there's only about 30 kids on the team, you don't have full offense, full defense. You play Ironman. So we were in shape. Yeah. Well, I mean, you got to make do with what you got, and at yeah. least at least it provides kids with opportunities. It's better than not having a program. Yeah, yeah. So, how'd you get into wrestling? Then? <laughs> <laughs> well, my stature essentially be forced sort of, me. It's going to limit your opportunities exactly. in certain sports. <laughs> middle middle school, I went up for the basketball team, and I got tired of working my butt off, working harder than everybody on the team. But it's just like genetics is against me. Yeah, you can only do so much. Yeah, fun. I mean, there really wasn't a middle school wrestling. So, I mean, I started my freshman year, went up for the wrestling team and made it. And I mean, because we never had a full lineup. Yeah. So, coach was like, we'll make it work. I think I was 78 pounds as a freshman, tiny little thing. Oh, man. Soaking wet. And I remember one one tournament that we wrestled in, I walked in with all my clothes on, eating a sandwich, stepped on the scale, made weight. And another coach freaked out on my coach. He's like, no, 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 he's got to weigh in in his boxers because he was trying to say that there's a minimum. He's got to be a minimum of, like, 90 pounds in order to compete. And my coach is like – That's not true, is it? "Ah, I don't think so. My coach argued with him. He's like, why? Why do you want him to weigh in in his underwear just so, like, you can get him disqualified from beating the crap out of your kid? Right. So they, yeah, uh, the rest were like, no, that's stupid. We're not going to make this kid strip down. Yeah. That's, that's some weird thing. It, it always interests me how um, adult coach, like coaches will do something that it, it's – who does that help? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, you're, you're trying to win, and I get it, but, like, at the end of the day, like, I mean, these are kids here who are competing. Like, let them compete. Yeah. I don't know. No college scholarship was going to be handed out at this random hole-in-the-wall tournament. Exactly. Know, so like, what do you like? What do you got to go? But for some people, I guess, um, I used to say it whenever I had certain jobs. Like, this is their White House. Like, some people, <laughs> you, just, you just reach their fucking limit, man. Like, maybe yeah. that's his White House. Like, yeah. I don't know, man. Yeah. So you wrestled all four years, and how? how, Yeah, I played football for four years, Mm -hmm. wrestled for four years, and then I ran track. So the kids that the group of boys that I grew up with were we played baseball little league all together, but there was a core group of them were just phenomenal. Like they did summer league and everything, and I just couldn't break that lineup either. So I was like, I'm gonna go do something over here. I can work again. Like I don't like working my butt off to just ride the bench. That's that's me, and that's why I loved wrestling because it was an individual sport. I could work as hard as I wanted. Yeah, you know what I mean, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna reap the benefits of that. Labor. Absolutely, man. And like, if somebody else is like taking plays off and like in football and whatnot, or if yeah. you, you know, you're just it's completely out of your control if yeah. the whole team's not you know in sync. Yeah, yeah. But in wrestling, that's not the case, man. Yeah. But it's almost like a double edged sword. I, I always did pretty well in high school, so I kind of got a little arrogant. I'm just like, well, me and my fucking partner, like we're winning all the fucking time. Like, why are you on my ass right now? Like, you need to be on their ass. <laughs> But, uh, I mean, yeah. I don't know. Proof is in the pudding, but still. It is. I mean, it was it was an amazing town to grow up in because, I mean, I don't think if I would have went to, like, a big school in Vegas, I would have been able to play football. Yeah. And we won a state title my senior year. I started as uh, – That's a cool experience. It was. It I was mean, just that high. Yeah. It was It was super cool that the group – like I said, like the group of guys that I grew up with, like, from, like, grade school. Yeah, All man. the way up through high school. And it's like – Hey man, we're gonna win state because I think we were the first team to actually win state at our division because it it changed over the course of years, you know, yeah. small school to class B or whatever, and then then it was class one A or whatever, and and we won it, and it was like it was cool, dude. That's super cool. I mean, I think that sets a tone for it. It, it creates a mindset for sure. I think that will carry you through the rest of your life yeah. because 
as like a group, like you guys like banded together and yeah. you had this common goal and you worked towards it and you fucking achieved it. Like you believed. Yeah. So like it creates, it creates like, you know, a belief in the power of belief. Yeah. Right. Which is what you talk about all the time. Like I remember your old shirt. So what does it say? Believe on that. Right. Yep. See, I don't know. It just came to mind, but dude, that's huge. <laughs> yeah. You just, uh, it was, it was cool. I mean, we won it in football and then I won it in wrestling and, and I was on the 4 by one relay team in track, and we won the state title. That was – because some of the same guys I played football with, four podunk white boys, you know what I mean? Yeah. Not, not to speak of race or anything like that, but seriously, you guys no, were, we're, all, we're all farm grown. Yeah. You know what I mean? We're out there on the 4 by one relay in the state finals. We're the three seed. Well, at the end of the day, dude, black guys are fast. Let's oh, just be yeah. honest. <laughs> that was ridiculous. So, I'm, so if you got four, you four farm-bred white guys out there – doing pretty well it was crazy though because um, we're sitting there and you just you watch it you're at this track meet and it's all all divisions it's the big schools all the way down little schools are all held at one track tournament mm-hmm. it's not like individual kind of how it spread out which was super cool because you get to see, see those everybody. top level sprinters yeah so we're in kids the, going d1 and yeah so we're in the state finals we're the three seed we're like oh cool you know at least we might get a podium let's just let's just see what happens let's just run our butt off and um i was the third leg first guy just everybody cape came, came, uh Hung out, just ran as hard as I could. I got the baton, and it was the top three schools all handed off at the same time. Oh. And when I handed off to the fourth, or to our anchor, it was the same thing. Bam, we we're all neck and neck. The number one seed pulled his hamstring halfway down the final stretch. And I was like, is this happening? No way. Whoa. Dude, it was like surreal. He pulls his hamstring, pulls up, and we're like, so it's us and the number two team, and it's neck and neck. And they didn't announce the winner until the award ceremony. We thought we took second. We're all happy. And all of a sudden, they're like, and state champions. And we're like, no way did this happen. It was a photo finish. Dude. Hundredth of a second. Our guy leaned in and got, got the win. Bro, your high school career was a movie. It could have been. Yeah. <laughs> For real, dude. That's what movies are made of. It, yeah. Holy I mean, shit. There was a lot of, lot of really cool stuff that yeah. happened in that hometown. I mean – Everybody wants to come back to the town. Everybody that grows up, I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. But they all end up coming back because yeah. the culture that's there, the family that's there, like, you know, like everybody supports everybody. Yeah. It's sometimes it seems a little culty <laughs> because yeah. of the Mormon church. But, and I, I'm, I'm, I respect a lot of things that that Mormon church carries on. They're big on family. They're big on like working together. They're big on yeah, helping There's people. a lot of great values yeah. there for sure. They just, the only thing I didn't like is how they, they kind of judged a person based on a label. If you weren't, a Mormon, yeah. you weren't almost as good as them. And I was like, but I have the same moral values you do. I just don't have the label. Yeah, people are weird like that. We're Judge so, me on who I am, not on what I'm called. Kind yeah, of thing. we're so tribal. It is. I don't know, man. Dude, so how many times did you win state in wrestling? Twice. You're two, One of my junior and senior year, I took timer. third my sophomore year, but I lost my wrestle off to um, my workout partner. Either, either Both of us, we were probably the top two six pounders in the state yeah and i lost my wrestle off and so then i bumped to 12 he wanted at three or at six it was 103 at the time i bumped to 12 and lost to the state champ in the semis yeah battled back and took third dude what you guys didn't know is that your town is actually like on a tv show this whole time it's like the fucking truman show <laughs> <laughs> sometimes that's how it feels like it, there's always an accident you can't get out of the town kind of thing dude yeah. well i mean you're right there next to area 51 yeah I mean, it makes sense. I wouldn't be surprised. Dude, did you listen to that JRE with uh, Bob Bob Lazarus or Lozos mm-hmm. or something? He used to work at Area 51. Okay. And um, he's, he like uh, he came, he worked there like, I don't know, like back in the 80s or something like that when he was like a real young man. And um, he like 
came out about it saying like he worked there he worked in a particular area i can't remember what what the place was called but the point is he's been telling the same story for like all of these years and then like slowly like certain things are like coming out like proving him right mm. like there was a certain i think he called it like element i can't remember what the fuck he called the element but then like this element was later discovered like later on and then he talked about how there was this um hand reader that they used to get into it and it had this pretty, he described it and it said like it measured your bone density and the length of your bones oh. in your hands to identify you. And like it came out later on, there was a leaked report or some report that became disclassified um, verifying like this, this apparatus like to get into it. And they had a picture of it and it was saying that it was used like for like top secret research like on this Air Force base for like a different thing. Yeah. So like it kind of confirmed what he was talking about. And essentially, dude, they tried to erase who he was. <laughs> <laughs> they really did, dude. Yeah. Like, got rid of his birth records and all this stuff. Like, it was a very interesting, like, podcast. Yeah. Um, what I can tell you, so growing up, literally, we're like three or four mountain ranges over. It is a military base. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a top secret military base. So the majority of, our, of my town, they work there. Oh, really? But some are carpenters. Some are oh, laborers. Yeah. They have all these different jobs, and there's a bus that runs from my town yeah. to the to the base. That's cool. And, you know, every day. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's just normal. It's a military base. And mm-hmm. they're testing people like, oh, but there's UFOs. But it's like you think about it. When, they're, when you're trying to, you know, build something new, it's going to be unidentified. 100%, dude. I mean, so they're, they're doing... New, it could be a new stealth pilot, and they're just yeah. trying to, you know, oh, that's, a, that's an identity. That's a UFO. You know, there's yeah. eight, no, it's not. It's just we're trying to beat the russians or we're trying to beat yeah. china we're trying to get you know back to the moon well they're doing some crazy shit out there and it's, oh, it's, yeah. it's definitely top secret and it's like next level you yeah. know what i mean so and then i don't know i mean it just kind of is what it is yeah. but it's, it's interesting to kind of wonder what is going on out there but yeah. i mean when you when you live next to it, it's probably just it's just another thing it's just, yeah it's just the you military see, you see some funny i mean you see some funky stuff like they'll be doing uh drills at night and they'll drop flares mm-hmm. which i think they simulate as like they're dropping bombs or whatever mm-hmm. and people are like oh did you see the lights in the sky it's like they're just flares man mm-hmm. like we're just we're just so immune to it because we've seen it for so long the crazy thing though is like when the, the test pilots are testing and they go mock and they hit sonic booms like it rattles your house like you're like everybody freaks out when they're new to the town but you're like dude that's normal you'll get yeah. one about every two weeks or so yeah and so that that it's funny um it would always make my dad mad because it would shake the house <laughs> sometimes people's ceilings would crack because yeah. they were so loud or they're so low and it was uh it was unique it was it was a lot of cool stuff um yeah very very unique experience but yeah when i hear missouri bro so my family's from here yeah. Not a lot of people know that, but my mom's from uh, Florissant, and my dad's from Columbia. How the hell did they end up all the way out there? So my mom comes from a huge Italian family. Mm-hmm. She's one of nine kids. Oh, and wow. And she she's the oldest, and she got tired of the big family, like, always in it. I don't want to say always in her business, but with yeah. her being oldest, like, it's... Italians are very, like, a tight-knit unit. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. And so she kind of wanted to get away from the family. My dad was a, a cop in Columbia when my mom was going to school in Columbia, and um, so she was a waitress to pay for pay her bills and cop in a waitress story. <laughs> she kind of was like, all right, I'm, I'm done with this, this state and moved to Vegas. Dad followed and yeah, man, the is... rest is history. They, wow. they set up roots and found a nice little piece of land just outside of Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. There's a lot of like little towns that are kind of uh, outside of Vegas and they, they went to one called Tonopah. And I'm so glad they didn't stay there because 
the women there are just, I think they're more manly than the men. Oh, really? <laughs> I make that joke all the time, but it's like, it was, it's even, it's a huge mining town. Mm. A lot of people don't know about the state of Nevada, like it was really, the, the state motto is the silver state, because there was a lot of silver mines and tungsten mines. Okay. A lot of mining goes on in Nevada. I didn't know that. I believe there's still some active mines further north. Um, yeah, there is some, uh, some mines that, mm. they, silver was one of the big exports. I believe tungsten is one as well. Um, there's a, titanium plant in vegas that oh, they take really? raw ore and they make titanium i believe oh, it's titanium wow. yeah so we did that in, in school when we were in high school when i was in high school we actually went on a field trip there and they explained the whole process it yeah. was super cool it is and cool. you're like we're well, in the middle of vegas and here's this titanium plant that takes raw ore and yeah you would whatever. never suspect that no vegas is an interesting spot it's not as big as i thought it would be yeah it gets old though. I get oh, it gets dude. old real fast. I couldn't do it. It's not my it's not my speed. I mean, it it was fun like the time that we're going last year for Worlds. We had a great time, yeah. but like that is not my speed. I was fucking wrecked when I yeah. got home, bro. Yeah, it's like <laughs> I it gets old after about two weeks. And there's there's so many cool things outside of Vegas around the city that a lot of people don't know about. There's Mount Charleston. Yeah. There's the the Hoover Dam and then below the dam. If you're big into outdoor stuff, that's the stuff to explore, dude. That's the cool stuff. And like growing up there my entire life, I really didn't know a lot about that. So when I was in college, I'd live with stay with a buddy that lived in vegas i lived with him during the summers i work construction and he's like hey let's let's go hiking i was like all right cool and his brother um would take us right below the dam we would hike it's like a mile through this massive canyon and then you get down to the colorado river mm -hmm. and the water is pumping out of the rock at like 120 degrees mm. and people would levy it up with bags of sand oh, and you'd have a natural hot tub that's cool and if you get too hot you just go down and jump in the colorado river because it's like nice and cold 40 degrees right just super, yeah. super cool stuff like that. Yeah, they're really good nature in Nevada. There is. Um, that's the one thing I didn't really do while I was there. I wish I would have like. Uh, I should have just. I realize now when I travel, it's it's better to just get a rental car. Yeah. Because it, it just allows you to be mobile and you can go and explore and different things. Like I've tried to take the cheap route on just Uber <laughs> here and there, but it, it just you yeah. don't get the same experience no. because you can't go and explore. So, um, I wish I would have done that so I could have went and checked out some of yeah. the, the nature and whatnot. Um, did you hunt sheep there? They do have bighorn sheep, but Nevada's a lottery draw. Mm. So you have to put in for a tag. You're not guaranteed. There's a point system if you don't get tags, but it's, yeah. it's, yeah, it's, it's, and bighorn sheep, it's, um, you have to, bef up till probably about five years ago, you had to take a class to learn how to age them because you could only shoot one that was an older age. Yeah. It's based on how many, there's little rings on their horns. Yeah. And based on how many rings tells you the age of them. And that has to be minimum of for, for argument's sake, say 20 rings. And if you shoot one that's 18 rings, like that's considered illegal. It's too early. They could take your house. They can take your truck. Oh, wow. There's, some, there's a lot of big implications for yeah. illegally taking an, an yeah. animal. People don't understand like how um, like how much goes into like conservation and hunting. Like there's this, this whole stereotype of just like the stupid hillbilly hunter. Yeah. And like I hate that stereotype <laughs> because it's so not true. Like yeah. hunters are the biggest conservationists and they're yeah. very intelligent for the most part. Yeah. I mean, there's always exceptions, right? There is. But there's um, always a one or two bad apples that shoot more than they're supposed to or yeah. out of season. But they, they have those regulations. Being a science teacher as well. Yeah. I mean, I've explained this to the kids. Like, that's how they keep things in check. Because mm -hmm. if we let them get rampant, then the population's going to end up getting diseased and then kill them, you know. Yeah. Or, you know, they're going to wander into, you know, highways and people's yeah. yards and different things. It's like nobody wants fucking deer and bear in their backyard. Like, yeah. It sounds cool, but nobody really wants Bambi in their backyard. No. No. And, um, dude, so there's a draw on that. Is it, is it a lottery draw on 
All deer tags. All, all deer tags. Everything. All tags are all lottery oh, drawn. Oh, yeah. wow. So that makes it hard to get in the hunting wire there. It does. Um, but it, like I said, you, you acquire. And the thing is, is like you're only allowed to, the, the states broke up into certain areas. So one area, say like, is area 10. You can hunt area 10, but for this month, oh. that's what your tag's for. So it's like, yeah. and when you put in for a tag, you put in for three areas, what tags you want, and then you get back um, notification if you got a tag, what area, if you're uh, able to hunt um, early season, mid season, or late season kind yeah. of thing. It's very structured. Yeah. Um, but there's uh, the wildlife is crazy out there. And I just found out my buddy still lives out there. My best friend does. And he said that uh, moose are moving down from Idaho. Oh, really? So he said probably within the next like five to 10 years, they're going to start having moose, moose tags, That'd be cool. which is crazy. I, I don't think they're the massive big moose like you have up in Alaska, but still a moose is crazy. Even a small moose even, has a lot of meat. Yeah. Um, but the Northern part of the state is very mountainous, a lot of trees where I think the Southern part of the state is a lot of desert. Yeah. But there's still, there's wild game all over the place. What was it like where you were? Was it? It was half and half. Okay, kind of that transition. Yeah, you get up higher in the mountains and you get a lot more trees. Yeah. Um, but you stay down in the valleys. It's it's all desert, and just yeah. Each has its own beauty, really. It does. Yeah. The, the, the different wildlife's the different um, the the temperatures was crazy because you think oh it's deserts can be super hot but at night it gets so cold. Oh, it drops, dude. Yeah. Yeah. It's ridiculous. How yeah, cold it's it crazy. Can. I think the only reason Vegas probably stays as warm as it does is because all that pavement. The pavement, yeah, it yeah, absorbs the heat and then reflects heat. it right back in. Right. And then the smog, too, like, gets in its own convection oven, essentially. Yeah. It's one massive convection oven. Yeah. Um, uh, Phoenix is like that. Yeah. It's like in a bowl, essentially, because it's surrounded by mountains. I was yeah. talking to a guy who lives there. He said it's just it's crazy hot, like, inside yeah. of there. And, like, if you just went on the other side of those mountain ranges, it'd be a completely different temperature. Yeah. Whoa, dude. When so do you prefer uh do you prefer to bow hunt or do you prefer like does it matter what kind of hunting do you do do you I, like hunt rifle hunting or I, so I I just want to hunt I just like getting out in nature yeah. and enjoying it. and it's not always about getting a deer it's about experiencing all of that just being entails. out there man yeah so I did I got a bow because um probably got a bow about three four years ago and I haven't sh- haven't thrown an arrow at a deer yet but <laughs> had some of my crosshairs but you know like yeah. trying to be the the uh, avid hunter make sure that it's the right deer and I'm going to have the right, I don't want to wound something and then have to chase it down and right. potentially not find it, yeah, whatever man. the case is. So it's, you, you're a little bit more selective with when you do release arrows. That's what I've, I've noticed because you want it to be the perfect shot. Yeah, man, a clean kill for sure. But it's also like, you got to be sneaky too, because you got to be within 30, 40 yards. Yeah, dude. And uh, some of those hunters that are real big and go out there and put up deer stands and stuff like that, it's it's kind of hard it takes it's a lot of work i didn't realize how much work it was going to be because nevada it's literally like you go you you go into a mountain range and then you scope and then you kind of try and get ahead of them and you shoot them yeah it's not as big of a deal out here it's like there's deer everywhere but it's like you got to put up a tree stand you don't want to be standing on the ground you might walk up on one but he's going to be gone you're not going to get a shot yeah off. there's a lot of skill into it that a lot of people don't really realize i'm not better off hitting one with my truck than i am getting a clean kill with my bow dude i was getting on 270 the other day and i saw like three of them on the side of the highway i'm like oh shit man like hopefully they find a spot and they don't get like, hit by something like <laughs> yeah. that's the last thing you need but um yeah I, I from what i've gathered because like it's exciting to me to like hunt and stalk like to do that type of hunting yeah. and just like um but like in missouri i guess i'm finding like that's probably not the way to hunt here like it all depends it all depends on the area you're at and how well you know your area um, 
but and how quiet you can be. Like I've noticed because of the land, the land type, you know, the branches, the trees, yeah. the leaves, all that stuff. It's like it's hard to be quiet. It's go hard. Barefoot, to, bro. It's hard to sn- sneak up on a deer. Yeah, yeah. You think go barefoot until you're walking through like. So Rogan says, dude, just put the socks on, go barefoot. <laughs> dude, I walk barefoot everywhere. I probably get away oh, with man. it. Oh man, maybe, maybe man. Ah, get I a big think, stick to your foot. Yeah, or they're just the mosquitoes, man. Those are what's pretty bad too. Yeah. It's uh, and so. Nevada as well. What one of the benefits is like a m- huge majority of the state is BLM land, Bureau of Land Management. Okay. So it's all public land, whereas Missouri it's mostly private land. And then there's certain areas which are conservation areas that are public land you can yeah. hunt on. A lot of them have rules. There's a place uh, right down by Chesterfield Mall that's um, Howe Island. Hmm. The whole island is conservation area, but you can only bow hunt on it. You can't rifle hunt on it. Oh, I can dig that, though. I like bow hunting. Same here, but there's only one access. There's only one access road into the island. Hmm. So it's like most hunters aren't going to go walking three miles into this island. And then think about it, if they do drop a deer, then they got to pack that thing all the way back. Yeah. There's a lot of thought, you know what I mean? Man. So it's like, do I need a game cart? Do I need, what do I need? Yeah. And I actually saw a uh, an old timer, this old guy, ride a pedal bike out there. He had a 10-speed with big old huge tires on it. And I was like... That's a smart man right there because he took all this gear out. Yeah. And he could have carried everything back Just out. Just look what the old people are doing, man. man. It's, yeah. For real. Because they've been around. They've they, learned the tricks. Yeah. They're going to do what's the most efficient for them. Yeah. That's the move. There's some monsters that's been taken off of that island. Really? Dude, there's, yeah, there's monsters everywhere. Oh, man. I really got to get I got to get a bow and start yeah. hunting, dude. Um, it adds up, though, man. It gets expensive. It, it does. Just all the little, like, I'm I'm such a gearhead, mm. whether it's electronics or it's, <laughs> it doesn't matter what it is, dude. Yeah. Like, I just love it. Um, and it, it, it can be the same thing with bows. Yeah. I scored pretty good on a Craigslist. I was just, you know, constantly on there, and I found a bow. Yep. And the guy just had shoulder surgery, so he couldn't shoot anymore. Right. And so he sold a whole package. It was arrows, release, everything for like 250 bucks. That's a great deal. Uh, yeah. Case and everything. I yeah. was like, man, this is. But then you got to get camos. I already like, have all that for, you... for rifle hunting now. So. Exactly. See, you already <laughs> had some gear for hunting. Ah, yeah. <laughs> you start slowly accumulating yeah. these things over time. Like, I'm starting from ground one. It's like, all right, man, I got to get like cold gear. What if I want to hunt in the summer? I got to get warm gear or in the fall. Like, so, so cold gear, you already, I guarantee you already have it. You already got. I got a lot of it, yeah. You got a lot of Under Armour stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah, that, that's your cold gear. Like, yeah. you know, it doesn't have to be camo. Because it's underneath. It, yeah. it could be but, bright but I want purple. some camo stuff for the top, though, right? Oh, for the top, yeah. yeah you want right. a jacket. So I get but, some of that. So you only need, what, some, pants some, and a jacket and some boots. boots. Yeah. Some good boots, bro. Good boots, are, yeah. <laughs> waterproof, too. Yeah, dude. Those yeah. things get expensive, man. They do. But you'll yeah. find deals, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're a thrifty shopper. I, I am. Up, uh, through college, I used to still buy boys' pants because they were cheaper. They were about $20 cheaper. And I was like, the only downside is the pockets. They're not the same size. Oh, they're not as big. No. Nah. Can't put man stuff in yeah, there. When you're, when you're buying your own clothes and you don't have a lot of an income, you know. Yeah. You've always been very thrifty. Got to I've always noticed that about you. You're like, man, just, just go do this and like you can fix it up. Or... Why would you want to buy something when you can build it? Yeah. I mean, I mean, if you're good at building stuff. That's true. I'm not very good at building stuff. That's kind of also time. That's yeah, time too. I mean, so as much growing up was so back to back to Alamo, I guess you could say. I guess that the, my childhood really kind of gave me a, a different perspective on life because my parents they worked their butt off. You know, what I mean, I was frustrated in the fact that they weren't a lot at a lot of my sports games and stuff like that. But then later in life, you sit back, you're like, they were doing that to provide the, me the opportunity to, to go do, do that stuff. Yeah. yeah. As much as I was kind of like, man, you know, all my friends' parents are here and mine aren't, but they're out working to let me 
yeah. give me the opportunity. But they told me straight up, they're like, we're not buying you a vehicle. You want it, you got to buy it. And yeah. so when I was 15 and a half, I bought a truck. Yeah. Took out a little signature loan, paid off the loan. I was like, but then it was mine. You know right. what I mean? Like it, you have a, a different view on things. You're like, man, this is mine. I earned it. I worked my butt off. Yeah. That's so a real sense like, of accomplishment. Man. I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to, and then something breaks. Like uh, I blew my transmission cause I wasn't putting enough, I had a leak, small leak in it and there wasn't putting enough fluid in it. And I blew my transmission. So my dad was like, put it up on blocks, pull the transmission out. Let's go. You know, like yeah. he made me do all the work. Yeah. He directed me, but it was like, this is what you have to do next. Okay, cool. Yeah. And I'd get up at like five in the morning out there with a headlamp and overalls Working on my truck. Yeah, you know? dude. I had to use the time that I had. Well, that's a good skill, man, because you yeah. I mean, it, it teaches you the process, right? Anything yeah. like you can figure out anything. Yeah. And whether I've learned this, like, as uh, I think it's a good, like, business lesson, even like it, there's so much value in, like, the inefficient things, mm-hmm. like doing things the hard way. Hell I yeah. mean, you learn things and it just, it just brings more value yeah. in many different ways. So, I mean, that's a fantastic skill to have. So, because of stuff like that, like, just being able to fix stuff on the fly, understanding how something works, then, okay, I've got to do this. Hunting stories, right? Um, last time I was out in Vegas, um, my buddy, he had a, an elk tag, so we went up elk hunt. And we're up on the top of this mountain. My brake caliper falls off. So we have to MacGyver this, and we're like four or five hours from, from home. Ugh. This isn't like one of those, like, oh, let's just go down to the parts store. Yeah, there is just, no parts store. Yeah, like, yeah no, nowhere. So it's like, so then we start going through the process, and lucky enough that first time it fell off the first time we able we found all the parts we're able to i was able to put it back together and put it back to on and was good but we, the trip wasn't over we're not just going to cancel a trip because we had one little hiccup and when he finally well it was a deer we were out deer hunting that's what it was when he finally got his deer we're coming back down the mountain it falls off again i thought uh, i had everything but it's like the the bumps the rattle everything it falls off again yeah this time we couldn't find any equipment so then we're having to think out the how are we going to get home without you know, we still need, it's all a closed system. The brake system's a, it's a, it's a complete loop. You know what I mean? So right. I can't just not have one, one caliper and I could break it off and seal and stuff like that. But then that's a lot more work later on. And so lucky enough, I've got a toolbox with essentials and I had a C clamp in there and I C clamped the caliper and then ratchet strapped it to my, my driveline and drove it back to camp. Oh man. And then while we're at camp getting ready to leave, it broke the C clamp. There was so much pressure. I had a bigger one. I'm like, I mean, I'm lucky I had the right stuff. Dude, you're like a boy scout for Dude, real. I, we got I got all the way back to Vegas. Got all the way back to Vegas. First thing I did one bought a brand new caliper. Okay, everything's good. Ugh. But it was like my girlfriend's so mad at me because I was on the top of the mountain, and she calls me a couple days later. I was like, oh, yeah, a caliper fell off on top of the mountain. She's like, what? Freaking out. But she doesn't understand, like, my childhood and, like, what I've gone through. Like, that's yeah. just everyday kind of occurrence. You yeah. Know? You have a problem. You f- yeah. figure out a solution, and you move on. Yeah, well, it creates a mindset where you're always looking for solutions. Oh, yeah. Like, the problem is it doesn't matter what the problem yeah. is because there's always a solution. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's the uh, biggest problem I feel with uh, with our future, with our our, our next generations. Yeah. They don't have those problem solving skills. Right. Yeah. And a lot of problems are solved for them. Yes. So as a teacher, like I'll be, we'll be going through a problem. I've been really big on this problem based learning. You give them a problem and then kind of watch them try to solve it. And when they get stuck, it's like I'll answer questions, but I'm not giving you the answer. Yeah. Because it's not about the answer; it's about the process to get the answer. Right. I can re- I can remember being a kid, especially in math. Math always comes to mind. <laughs> yeah. It's like, 
I don't know how to do this. Just, just give me the answer. Like, if you give me the answer, I'll remember it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but, see, as a teacher now, it's like, all right, I'm going to give you the answer, but now you have to show me how you got it other than you gave it to me kind of thing. Right, yeah. you got to show me the process it. of how you got that number. Yeah, well, just giving the answer won't help anything, right? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, we're trying to teach, like, problem-solving skills. Yeah, but, that's, that's a big lack. And yeah. uh, the kids these days have so much information at their fingertips. I mean, yeah. can, I can Google anything, and it tells me how to do something. Almost to a detriment, right? It is. It is a detriment because yeah. we have so much information at our fingertips but no knowledge of how to do something. Right. So if you grabbed a random freshman in high school be like, hey, if you got a flat tire, could you change it? Well, I could Google it. Well, it's like what happens if you're, you're out of – you don't have cell phone range? Yeah. Can you still change that tire? I'm so stuff? surprised people don't know how to change tires because to me it just seems like such a – intuitive thing you know what i mean like yeah. there's a jack and there's a there's a fucking wrench yeah. and there you go like <laughs> education is taking this weird it's this it's weird trail you know what i mean like they go from like we're so worried about test scores and competing and stuff like that but we're getting away from like life skills yeah man i don't know why we don't do that like yeah. there's they, they definitely should be teaching more life skills and more like how to think not what to think like yeah. how to problem solve and teach like what do you have what do you need how can we put those two together yeah and have a solution i mean they say they're trying to get you prepared for life but it's like essentially really trying to just feed the system because it's like well, what do you want to do for school and your career but yeah. i mean 18 year olds like what they don't even know who they are yet no. i know man and i think we should be pushing more tech schools yes you know why do we not do that more trades like so you don't come out with all this debt and you have a skill and you can start providing immediately for yourself but i mean i mean there there is a lot of focus going into like stem science technology engineering, yeah. and math yeah we're doing more of there's that a now. lot of robotics and stuff like that and there's a that's a small niche of kids that are really kind of excelling at that yeah but it's it's not even if you, as an educator you want to reach all your kids mm -hmm. but you're of course that's going to be hard to do but it's like you got to find a way to connect with those kids that are just why am i here it's like yeah my, my girlfriend was actually telling me about she's a crossfit coach and there's a gentleman that works at his uh that works out at her gym and their kids are homeschooled but they're through this co-op where they're with, say, five or six families that all homeschool their kids. So they get together and they still get that social aspect. And they get to uh, combine and to take tests and stuff like that. But uh, they're done with all their studies by like 10 o'clock yeah. in, the, in the morning. Yeah. And it's like – but they're, they're like four or five years advanced to where they should be. Yeah. It's, it's much more realistic. Yeah. The model that we currently have is just – it's based off this old model and it's meant to develop factory workers. Yeah. You know, that's really what it that's is. A good it, just, point, yeah. it just puts people in this structured, all right, well, you're going to go from here. And when even schools used to have the bells. I don't know if schools still have the bells like they used yeah. to, but it's like, you know, it's like, boom, bell, lunchtime, or, you know, boom, bell, break, boom. You know, it's just like, yeah. it's just, it's just this, uh, this factory mentality where we're just creating workers. We're not like creating like uh, contributing society members. You know what I mean? Yeah. If, if they taught kids how to like do taxes and set up a bank account, like so many kids would sign up for that class. Yeah, you know what I mean because that's Balance a, a checkbook. Yeah, that's a real life like a, like a skill that you need that people do all the time. I mean, not many people use algebra unless they're going like into some sort of like you know science heavy or math heavy profession. Yeah, but most kids need to know how to fucking balance a checkbook. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or understand how credit cards work or how APRs work because there's a lot of adults who don't even know like what a credit score is and how that even works. Yeah. You know what I mean? So 
Oh, it's a crazy, it's a crazy world it, we live in. It is, man. It is. It, things are sh- things are shifting, but it's like it's it's moving almost too slow at a, a pace. Too slow. We'll never catch up with where we need to be. We'll never get ahead of it. Dude, technology is moving way too fast. It is. Yeah, I mean the the world evolving very fast, and like a lot of systems need to update with it. But I don't know why it's it's a very um, there's a lot of things built into the system yeah. that preserve itself. Yeah. Yeah. Is that frustrating as an educator? It is. It is because like you, you want to you want to engage all the kids, right? So then you'll start talking about something, and then you'll start veering off, and you'll get way off topic. But then you're like, you have a set curriculum that you're supposed to teach. You know what I mean? And that's kind of how you get evaluated. It's how your kids test scores on what you're supposed to teach. And it seems like you have a box that's like you know. 12 foot or 12 inches wide. Yeah. And you got to fit 12 inches wide worth of stuff. And then every year they add like another inch of stuff, but don't give you a bigger box. Mm. So you have to cram all this stuff in. Yeah. And then it's like when they start asking questions, which is what you want, you want to answer, you want to take that curiosity and you want to expand on it. But it's like, right. you don't have the time for it because you have to get through you, all of this. Which, and some of it's just like, this is remedial and this is not as important, but they feel that it is. And you, yeah. you know, it's one or two per one or two people's views on what you, th- they think that they need to know. Yeah. When it's like, why not? take that that curiosity and just explode it and see where it goes from there yeah because people express genius in different ways oh yeah you know what i mean not necessarily like the standardized way that's being measured in school all the time well i mean i'm a special ed teacher as well and you see some of the kids that are like on the spectrum and they're just wicked smart but they view the world in such a different aspect yeah people like oh well they're they're slow they're not slow they're ridiculously smart they just don't know how to communicate what they're thinking the way that you want them to right that doesn't mean that they're they're wrong. They're different. They're just slightly. They just view the world different. That's all it is. Yeah, that's all it is. I think that's my job as an educator is just to kind of find a way to communicate with them to where they can get their thoughts out. Right. Yeah. Yeah, which can be a challenge for sure. Oh, it's very challenging. Yeah. But it's like one. Some of my favorite kids are my sped kids because they're just. They don't care about social norms. They don't care about being popular. They don't care about the coolest video game. They, you know, they, they have their whatever their their favorite thing is. But they're just they're wicked smart, and they they can problem solve. They just can't relate it to you. They can't yeah. communicate to you. So it's you got to find that connection with them. Yeah, and yeah. It, a lot of educate you know a lot of education is uh, building relationships, and I think that's where a lot of teachers fall short is they don't want to build those relationships, right? Or they don't have the time to. Yeah, I mean, when you see so many kids, like how much how much time do you really have to spend with them? And uh, and like to your point, it seems like you know they want kids to know more and more shit earlier yeah. and earlier. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's like what we used to learn in fifth grade; they're learning in like third grade. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's well, great. And then it's hard, like because when they come in, you're like, all right, so you guys should have all this this background knowledge already. Yeah, it's and like, they're like, oh, well, we don't even know what you're talking about, and it's like, so then I have to go back. You know what I mean? So then it sets me further back. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's almost like just give me a broad category that you want me to cover and then just let me cover it. But yeah. it's like when you're like, oh, I need you to teach X, Y, and Z, and you only have this much time to do it. Like when you put parameters on education, like it really it, it hurts a lot of kids. Yeah, it does. Because you may not grasp the concept how I'm relating it. So then I have to find a different way to relate it to you. But like all of a sudden, oh, the bell's out. Now you got to go. And it's like I had that chance, that opportunity, that window opened up just enough. Yeah. But I couldn't get the information through. Right. And now that he left, the window's closed and locked. Now I got to find a way to pick the lock to open it back up to try and get that information back yeah. to him. It's yeah. It's a constant. Well, and, and it shouldn't fall entirely like on the teacher. But I it mean, does. It does often. Yeah. But, I mean, there should definitely be things going on at home. I know even like during the summer, like I'm making my kids read every day. Yeah. Them. Like they hate me for it. It. they're like why do i need to do this addison's like it's so boring i'm like i don't care if it's boring like read for 15 20 minutes yeah. like just do it like yeah. 
you need to like maintain these skills and yeah. i try to take them to like museums and different things and just try to like broaden their horizons yeah. obviously not every kid is able to like do that during the summer yeah but i mean parents have to take some sort of responsibility they do and that's you you just hit the nail on the head that's kind of one of our biggest problems is like we're acting the parent part you know and trying to be the right. teacher and it's kind of hard because then they're not getting reinforced at home so yes yeah. Yeah. You're fighting a, a losing battle. I know the struggle. I mean, I see it in kids' jujitsu, yeah. and um, I need to get my ass back in there. Like, I've kind of, like, slowed down with, like, helping coaching over the summer. Yeah. But, um, like, you know, parents will bring their kids in there expecting us to discipline their kids. But mm-hmm. it's like, hey, man, we only see them three hours a week. Yeah. Like, you need to reinforce this, and you need to set these standards yeah. whenever they're not with us. Because, yeah. it, you know, if, even if they are behaving while they're in jujitsu, it doesn't matter if, if we're not there. Yeah. You know what I mean? So... The worst are the parents that enable it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I, there was a couple students that uh, parents would be like, well, you're, you as a teacher are bullying my kid. It's like, I want the best for your kid. I want your kid to, to, to have all these ideas and creations and to make it super far. Yeah. But I'm not going to let them disrespect me or any other student or hinder kids from learning. Right. That's the worst thing as a teacher is when other kids are hindering learning in that environment. It's like, if you don't want to learn, that's your choice. Cause you know, you're 13 now, like you have the choice that you can sit here and try and learn from me or try and understand and ask questions, or you can just disrupt the environment. If that's the case, then I just need you to be quiet and sit there. If not, then get out of my classroom because you're keeping the 35 other kids from learning because yeah. I'm constantly have to direct you and your behavior. Yeah. And it's frustrating, but the parents just, when they don't see that they're just oh you're picking on my kid it's like no i want your kid to be successful but when they get in real life and i tell them that all the time it's like when when you're out there in real life if you don't follow the instructions of of a police officer things aren't going to go your way right you don't obey the laws things aren't going to go your way like what are we teaching them if we let them slide constantly time and time again it's like they're going to think that's how life is oh i can just keep sliding it's like no you're gonna no there are consequences to your actions and you have to own them and that was probably the biggest thing that i learned from like my mentors and, and administrators is like you let them re- you remind them that they have the choice they have the choice to follow expectations yeah or they have a choice to not and then there's going to be consequences there's always a reaction or a consequence to every every question or every decision they make it can be positive and it, or it could be negative right so they're, they're the ones that has to make that choice so you can quickly weigh the right. pros and cons but it's uh yeah and you get real-time feedback. You do. It's like, it's like, hey, here's your choice. Your choice is to sit down, be quiet, and, and learn. Yeah. Your choice is to keep causing a scene, and we're going to go down to the principal's office. Right. Like, yeah. Man, well, dude, you have quite the fucking struggle with that, dude. I do, man, but it's it's there's the, the joy of the kid's aha moments. Every yeah. time you catch an aha moment, that's it's That's a just, cool thing to see, man. When it ignites clicks it. in a kid. Yeah. yeah, that's really cool. And, and coaching is what got me into teaching. You know what I mean? The right, more I was, wrestling. Yeah, the more I got to influence and help kids. Like that's, I think that was kind of one of my biggest callings in life is being able to help people, not necessarily just kids, but help people just realize their potential. Yeah, I enjoy that. Helping too. them, helping them get there. You know, yeah. it's it's fun watching somebody like learn something, a new skill, a new a new tool in their toolbox, and then be able to apply it. Yeah, like oh way that worked. It's yeah. like yeah, it's, dude, it's so cool. It is, dude. Jackson just got this eleven second knockout on yeah. Shamrock, and it's just so cool to see him like gain confidence in a stand up and just as a fighter. Yeah, and it's because he he just turned twenty, man, and like it makes me feel so old. But, like, <laughs> but it's like. 
I remember that. Like, I remember, like, those early days yeah. and, like, those early feelings. And it's like, fuck, dude. Like, yeah. it's cool to see somebody else live that. And like, I know exactly what they're experiencing. So then when he does make it to the big leagues, it's like, do you remember that 11-second knockout? Remember that feeling? Yeah. Yeah, dude. He's definitely going to make it. I oh, feel like yeah. with this kid, it's like when, not if. Yeah. He's got the work ethic. He's, he's got, got the, the mindset, support. dude. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's going to be a killer. So what do your kids think of you fighting? I mean, you got a, you got one coming up, man. So... With with it with me being a teacher, I try to keep that away from the kids. I don't like the kids to know that I'm a fighter because that's that's a different part of my Let life. The word get around. It does. So one of my team, one of my old, one of our old teammates, Rocky Vircher, works with me, and so okay. he'll use that. He's like, "Hey, you guys know that coach, you know samples a fighter," and and then I'll start getting questions, and then the kids start googling me, and then like yeah. then more questions, and it's, it's like just Google monster. It's it's good to build relationships with kids, but it can also be bad because then it takes focus off the whole point we're there. And that's to coach them through science. Right. And I tell them that all the time. I was like, I'm not your teacher. Your teacher just tells you what to do. And then that's it. I want to coach you through this. I want to do it with you. I want you to grasp a concept and then let's build on that. Right. So I want to, I want to be your coach. I want to coach you through science. And some, so that works with a lot of them. Um, but every time that, Oh, what about fighting? What about this? It's like, Hey, we can talk about that at a different time. But right now, while we're in this um, 46 minute class, let's focus on science. And then we'll get to that later. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's got it's got its positives and its negatives. I I'd say it's probably about fifty fifty right now. Right. Fifty positive, fifty good. <laughs> but when some of the uh, younger females will be like, "Oh, how many tattoos you got?" and stuff like that, and I'm like, "I don't have any tattoos." You know what I mean? Yeah, like, don't worry they just about... they take the wrong aspect of like. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I imagine it could be pretty motivating for your wrestlers. Yeah. I mean, to have like that caliber of athlete around, it's just like, I can remember. Um, looking at my wrestling coaches, I'm like, I like to see your fucking ass <laughs> out here doing what I'm doing right now. Yeah. But you know, but you're doing what they're, and you can yeah. do what they do still. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that, that sets a different tone. I tell them, I was like, I wouldn't expect you to do anything that I'm not going to do with you right now. Right. I mean, I remember that in college. It's like having a coach just tell you to run is a lot harder to get mad at him than a coach that's running with you right when the coach is doing the same thing you're doing or trying to out sprint you like it's easier to motivate you yeah so he's like, doing it too exactly yeah so, so i always like that too and coaches like we're pushing me but they're pushing me by leading by example instead of right. just telling me right and there's th there's too many uh bosses that are just telling people what to do instead of doing it with them yeah and man. then difference between a leader and a boss a boss tells you what to do a leader does it with you 100 percent, man yeah so that's, that's the big difference for sure yeah trying to try to explain to those kids it's about you know i'm gonna do it with you i want to push you to be better i i want the best for you like no matter and the thing is is like uh i want the best for you and how i'm gonna get it out of you it may not be how you see me getting it out of you yeah so sometimes i'm gonna be i'm gonna be the asshole you know, I'm going to push you to where you, yeah. you want to punch me, but it's like it's going to push you to, through that, that wall where you can't – you don't think you can go anymore. Yeah. Dude, they'll respect you later for yeah. that. I mean – and that's what, that's what it means to really care about somebody, yeah. like to hold them accountable yeah. even whenever they don't necessarily like it or, to under, or understand it because yeah. you may not have the perspective at the moment, but you will get the – like yeah. you'll, you'll understand later on. I can't remember where I heard it, but I heard it saying – it may have been on a song or one of those motivational videos, but it's like give your kids what they need not what they want. 100%. Because what they want is they want an easy practice. They want to go yeah. drink a milkshake and then want to go to bed and play video games. Yeah. I was like, but that's not going to help them win that state title. That's not going to help them get to that next level. Right. It's like, so I'm going to give you what you need. And it, it yeah. may come across as me just being an asshole or me beating the piss out of you. Oh, but yeah. I, uh, there's a, Connor Flynn is a, he wrestles, he's a starter for Mizzou right now. He's a 65 pound starter. He's an awesome kid. And he came back and was working with our kids. And I love when alumni comes back and works with our, our high school kids. And You coached them all through high school, right? Yeah. For all four years. Yeah. And then I asked him, I go, hey, what is one of the biggest memories that you remember from, from, from Francis Howell? And he was like, my freshman year, you wouldn't let me leave practice till I got away from you. 
and he hyperventilated. Like I wasn't doing anything. Oh, I went his full panic attack. Yeah, he went yeah. full panic attack. I was like, I want that to happen here in the room and not out there on the competition mat. Oh, you yeah. see the difference? I go, now you see that you can break through that wall. Like you understand what that feels like, and we're not going to get there when it comes competition time. Yeah. And he's like, okay, I get that. The fact that he brought that up in front of all these kids was like, that one sample overwhelmed me. And I was like, really? That was one of your memories? Like, yeah, because it was like, from that point forward, I knew that nobody was going to break me like that. Yeah, that set the tone for his entire career, yeah, his entire life. Yeah, he's doing, he's doing great. He's yeah. a great kid. I've had one of those experiences. This is my junior year. Um, so it was Jeremy Hudson. That, do you remember when um, when uh, Warrensburg came and wrestled Lindenwood? Yeah. And then, like, uh, I can't remember his name. Uh, he had a very funky style of wrestling from Lindenwood. Creeper. Yeah, Creeper. He beat my boy. <laughs> Either way, so he had come back from, he had already been away at college. Mm -hmm. He had came back, I was like, I don't know, it was like Christmas or something like that. And he fucking tattooed me, bro. Like he yeah. was just way stronger than me, just a little bit more. He had just been getting beat up by like some Russian or something that was training there. Yeah. I remember the Russian he's talking about, though. That day was huge. Yeah, dude. So he was beating him up. So I guess he came and took it out on me. I went into full, I had a full on like anxiety attack yeah. and like went hyperventilating. But like once you go through that experience, yeah. like you can, you can learn to identify that and learn to calm yourself down. And yeah. it just sets the tone for everything else. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I tell the kids all the time, it's like, I want you to get exhausted in here so you will never be exhausted in that six minutes. Yeah. And they're just like, well, that makes no sense. It's like, we, I was also blessed to have a kid. Um, he actually wrestling for the University of uh, Maryville University right now. And I swear this kid, I, his mindset was like, I think he was trying to make himself pass out from working too hard every day. Oh, He's wow. that type of kid that like, when you say like, I want you to leave everything on the mat, this kid would leave everything on He's the mat. Every practice though. You know what I mean? And I found it funny because you would hear other kids like, oh, well, I took him down today. And it's like, but he already broke five kids on the team. And then you were the sixth kid. Yeah. And you barely got one takedown after he took you down 10 times. That's really not a feather in your cap, you know? Yeah, that's not a win. Like, you're not looking at the big picture here. Yeah, that's yeah. that mediocre mindset. It is. Yeah, that's yeah. the difference, man. That's the difference between, like, a relentless mindset and just that average. Yeah, great kid, though. This kid works so hard, and he's uh, he was an NCAA All-American this year. Nice. Which was super cool, super proud of him. Like, he's the type of kid that he's got the mindset that uh, he could end up winning a national title, and I, and I hope he does because yeah. he deserves it for as much work as he puts in. He ended up making it to um, senior national finals. Like, he beat, like, one of the number one ranked kids in the country. Oh, wow. He beat, like, the number six ranked kid. Just, like, just outworking everybody. Yeah, and the thing is is because he never stops. He's constantly in your face. Yeah. I love the kid. Great kid, and so glad that, that he's he's getting an education to it for it, too. So um, every kid's like, well, I want to be a pro fighter. I want to do this. It's like, well, what's your fallback plan? You know what I mean? And he's just like, I just want to be the best wrestler I can be, and I love that. And so now he's getting a college education because of his hard work ethic. Yeah. So that's good. That's cool, man. I mean, it's definitely important to under like to have a have the understanding that um, even if you do pursue, you know, like a, a professional career, whatever that is, like yeah. in fighting or whatnot. I mean, but um, like it's important to understand that like this isn't forever. Yeah. Right. I mean. It, it can feel like forever. I mean, you see a lot of athletes make a lot of money in a yeah. short time, but then they just lose it. But that percentage that makes that big chunks of change, that's like 2% of yeah, the population. Yeah, it's not very many it's, people. Yeah, it's, it's like, so what's your fallback plan? You know, I've been at people that like, oh, I want to be a pro fighter. I was like, well, what's your fallback plan? What happens if, God forbid, you snap your femur tomorrow practicing? Yeah. And you can never fight again. What are you yeah. going to do? Well, well, I don't know. It's like, well, you need to figure that out. Yeah, it's kind of a tough thing because it's like when you're when you're chasing a dream and like you're trying to chase like greatness or whatever that is, it's almost like you 
can't have a plan B because if you're thinking about plan B that detracts from plan A. True. So I, like, I get that perspective, but then there's on the same side, it's like, well, realistically, we know that even if you do accomplish plan A and like you make all this money, like yeah. you still need to understand like, okay, once you do get there, then what are you going to do with it? Yeah. Because you can't just blow it. Like, are you going to invest it? Are you going to create your own job? Are you going to like, you still need to have some sort of idea of what you're going to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you gotta, because it's not gonna last forever, and the yeah. money will go away. So I, I agree with what you said, but it's like I think being rooted in reality as well. Super you know, important. Yeah. At, so at any so, time, so I get both sides. My, my views can, you know, or my 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 uh, my journey can change at any time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like a kid could come along. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah. If a kid falls in line, or if if I end up having a kid right now, like that's gonna change my trajectory instantly. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So it's then so my important. focus will be taking care of that kid instead of really chasing that dream anymore. Right. Well, 100%, dude. But then I it's mean, like when things are on the positive side, then I'm right back to my trajectory. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I mean, it's not, it's not losing faith in yourself and your ability, but it's also being very rooted in the now. Like, what do I need to do now? I think that a lot of kids these days, um, they think that, oh, well, things should just be given to me. I mean, I, I don't like that entitled mindset where yeah. it's like, oh, you should, you should just give me this. It's like, no, no, I had to earn it. I had to earn just to get here. Like you should have to do the same. Yeah. And that's kind of why I think like uh, individuals like Aaron Pico, I yeah. think he's an amazing athlete. I think that dude works his butt off, but he hasn't had to struggle just to go to the gym. Yeah. You know what I mean? That, that real life struggle of just being able to having to work your butt off just to get to the gym. Yeah. He doesn't know what that stress is like no. to like have to deal with all this real world shit yeah. while you're also doing this because it's like, Hey man, I have to go to work so I could pay for my car and my gas so I could get here. Yeah. And it's like, man, then I got to go get groceries. And it's like, man, and I, whenever I was training, I had kids. Yeah. So it's like, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a, that's a different type of struggle, but it like, yeah. I, I think it really puts your, uh, everything in perspective yeah. you know what i mean it also it helps you stay disciplined with your time you know what i mean time is a very valuable thing oh yeah so when you don't have to you know make that money just to get to the gym or to pay your dues you know what i mean you're just like i'll go to the gym whenever you know what i mean it's like you you can get stagnant or you can just kind of get lax and maybe a little bit lazy because oh i've got plenty of time but it's yeah like uh when i won my first world title not to kind of float my boat or anything like that but it's like i was in the middle of grad school so if i didn't stay disciplined with my schedule i couldn't get everything in i yeah. couldn't get my training in and then my schooling in and then my ga yeah. work and then student teaching and dude, then prep for the next that's day that's such an important lesson dude. you're going through fucking grad school like you know getting your teaching degree and you're training for a world fucking title for cfa right yeah. and then yeah. one in the fifth round against villa like, yeah one of he's an amazing athlete like yeah. i said I was, we were just talking i was listening to that jre with with uh masvidal jorge masvidal and he was talking about how villa is one of the best athletes out uh att like hands down he can do anything and everything like when he's you know he's just that athletic yeah he's a phenomenal phenomenal athlete and you submitted him in the fifth round i did submit him (laughs) but the one thing i (laughs) the one thing i had going in my favor was the dude was 41 well and but dude stopped fucking working he was peace he was piecing i'm not piecing me up but that dude took me down at will but it's like that was kind of i don't want to say it was our game plan but it's like sitting down with you know with rogers and stuff and we're like He's going to take you down. I was like, I know that. But yeah. what can I do to get back to my feet and how much yeah. can I exhaust him in that in that process? 
I don't know. I haven't, I don't know. I kind of lost count, but I think he probably took me down 50, 60 times. Yeah. But I think I made him, I at least hit him once or twice every time I went down or would tie something up or put him in danger or something yeah. to where it wasn't much fun. But hey, it's exhausting to yeah. constantly take somebody down. But you kept fighting, right? Like oh, in yeah, wrestling, man. you talk about wrestle the full match, wrestle six minutes, right? Yeah. You wrestled, you fought for 25 minutes. Yeah. Right? Or it's crazy. 24 minutes. And how long? How much I think time? there was like a minute and a half left. A minute and a half left, right? So like 23 minutes and 30 seconds that you fought. <laughs> you've kept fighting yeah man you gotta you gotta be prepared to go the whole distance yeah you know what i mean and you always have everybody wants to knock out everybody wants the submission but it's like you got to take what's given to you you know it's life life has a way of uh giving you everything that you need but you got to be willing to take it yeah it's crazy yeah dude yeah <sighs> that picture i mean that picture of you and rice house yeah. like yelling at each other that's probably like an intense that was a crazy intense moment for sure. It was. I can't believe that got captured on on film too because it's perfect. He has no. He never has emotion. No. Ever. Ever. I mean, and stone cold. Stone cold at all times. And I tell people all the time, I had to submit an Olympian just to get a reaction out of him. <laughs> <laughs> and it got caught on camera, so he can't deny it. <laughs> yeah, dude. Rice House is something else, dude. He is, man. He's so cerebral, dude. He, he just he thinks every possible outcome in every situation yeah and it's frustrating rolling with him because he's already, in his mind he's already submitted me 15 times yeah so it's like okay what can i do to where he's never gonna think about that yeah the last time i rolled with him yesterday but a couple times before that i just literally sat down in his garden gave him my back it's like he wasn't expecting that <laughs> yeah when i roll with him i always just try to like not use too much strength because i know i'm a little bit bigger than him yeah. and stronger so i try not to not compensate in that way and just only use my jujitsu which usually like finds me in trouble but <laughs> i gotta i gotta keep constant scrambling with him you know what i mean it's like try to be unpredictable he's not gonna expect me to die for this leg or to try and chase his back inverted and underneath all all of his legs and yeah hanging onto one sleeve is it's just being so unpredictable because he's he's done it for so long and he's He's always thinking about it. Yeah. I mean, he's probably at work right now, you know, doing whatever and thinking about the next 10 matches he's going to have and the 15 different ways he's going to submit every kid. It's crazy. <sighs> That's the beauty of jiu-jitsu. It's just like how long, like the more you look at the problem of jiu-jitsu, like the more like solutions you see. Yeah. It's just a, it's a complex problem. I like how it's a uh, wrestling is very similar in that aspect. Oh, yeah. It's the, uh, the, the body compositions though. Yeah. You don't, you can be massive and ex explosive but then get beat up by this like nerdy little skinny dude that's just all about leverage and smooth and yeah it's it's crazy you're like oh that guy can't you know i remember in, in wrestling you'd look at somebody you would judge the book by its cover like oh, i'm gonna smash this guy look at how he looks yeah and then you just dude. piece you up you're dude, like yeah. he was lanky and gangly he's like but you get splayed older yeah man. you get thrown on your head and you're just like where'd that come from i wrestled this guy <laughs> he was actually from jackson missouri okay. um, his name was uh rampley i can't think of his first name but uh he ended up uh I lost to him at like early at Modules. I looked at him. I was like, "Look at this pudgy motherfucker." <laughs> nope, dude. Fucking, I think majored me. And then we wrestled uh, for third, third and fourth. My it was, this was my junior year. He won. I took fourth. And then I think he ended up winning state the next year. Yeah, like this fucking killer. Yeah, that's it's a it's a good lesson to learn. Hopefully, learn it early. Like never judge the book. You know what I mean? Never, like, dude. The skill set is always hidden. You know, yeah. the tool, you never know what their toolbox looks like. You're just like, oh, well, he's got skinny legs, and yeah, you know, he's not built like much, but they could have a gas tank on him that just never stops. Yeah, well, dude, I learned that especially with, uh, with Quentin O'Brien. Yeah, because if you look at Quentin, dude, like he's a little bit bigger now. Yeah, but like I remember whenever I first met him, I was like, he doesn't look like much, but he was a fucking killer, dude. Yeah, <laughs> he, Quentin is a killer. Yeah. 
fucking multiple time world champion. Like he's fought, like, he's he's fought all over the world, yeah. like doing Muay Thai, and it's just like, dude. And he's another one of those very he he's he thinks about all the different processes oh, and how can I do this and how he's can I He's one of the best striking coaches in the city. People just don't understand it. Like he's yeah. a, he's a hidden gem of he the is, city. He is, yeah. Is a needs build character gym. Yeah. It's man. sitting <laughs> <laughs> just up the street. <laughs> just right up the road here, dude. Yeah. Uh, so what do you know about your guy coming up? I mean, you're fighting here in like 7 weeks or so? Right? No, it's uh It's in August. It's August 9th. Um so Oh no, about, so like Two four weeks, weeks. Four, four weeks. Four weeks. It's like four weeks away. Three and a half weeks. We're on the weeks. 16th. Yeah, I'm way off, dude. It's all right. Um, He's a tough dude. He's, he fights out of AKA. Um, He's just a strict Muay Thai guy. Um, But he we've we've seen some tendencies that he likes to do, which is, you know, something that we can key on. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just about going in there and kind of imposing our will, if you will. Absolutely. <laughs> dude, impose your will. Impose your will. And this is in New York? It's New York. Yeah, it's New York City. It's going to um, be a good show. It is. It's going to be broadcasted on UFC Fight Pass, which Ooh, is kind of cool. Dope. Um, and we get, we're the main event, which oh. I don't like because it's like you have to wait all day. Dude, hurry up and wait. Yeah, you got to get there like 2 o'clock, and then you don't fight till 2 in the morning. It's Dude, like, your whole day is consumed for this 6-minute fight. Yeah. Nine, no, nine minute fight. 15 minutes. 15 minutes? It's 5-3 minute rounds. Yeah. Oh, they're doing, oh, so 5 threes. Okay, yeah. yeah. So your whole day is consumed for 15. essentially, well, if you went for the, what, 20, let's just say 20 minutes of yeah. your day. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Your whole day is consumed for that 20 well, minutes. It's crazy. So I fight that Friday, and then school starts for me that Monday. Hmm. I, I mean, I couldn't, yeah. Yeah, no. couldn't have planned it any better. Time works out. Yeah. Yeah, because you're not going to take any fights during school year, right? No. Uh, my whole focus is on the kids, and then when yeah. wrestling season starts, it's all about the kids. You yeah. Know I, mean? People have, I, d- I made that mistake. Once I got signed to the UFC, I took my second fight, and it was the same weekend as a state tournament. And my whole mind was just in Columbia thinking about my kids. Not that I was prepared and ready to fight, but I was just like, man, why Why was I selfish in this? You know what I mean? Like, I can always fight, and like I should have just told the UFC, like, I want this fight. Let's just do it on a different different card because i should have been in columbia with with my kids that have been busting their butt for me all year you yeah know? it's like i got a little got a little selfish there but they i mean they they also they motivate me my kids are awesome they're like no coach you should do it you should do it yeah. it's like, but they're not thinking about themselves either you know what i mean like that they only have three months essentially or four months of wrestling season you know what i mean that's the time that i need to be there for them yeah instead of thinking about myself and it's just a tough thing, man, it because, is. you know, professional sports is a selfish endeavor. It is. You know, there's no way around it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you only have a limited amount of time to make it at that level. Yeah. So it's, I mean, yeah. what are you going to do? I mean, it was, it was a good fight, but it's, I think that if it would have been on a different, different card, things could have went differently. Yeah. I, we still had a hard-fought three rounds, and I lost a close decision, but... Yeah, was that your second fight? Yeah, it was yeah. against Mikovsky. Well, man, if, you know, if your mind's not in it, dude, it's just so hard. It is. I can't say that my mind wasn't in it. I just could have been more in it. Right. If, but if it's not 100% there, if yeah. there's even like a, if it's somewhere else, like even yeah. remotely. I and mean, he's no fucking joke, dude. Mikowski was a bad man. Yeah. Still is, man. I think yeah. he's fighting for ACA now. And I think he just had surgery. Follow him on Instagram and yeah. see him training and stuff. He's a good guy. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, that, so the whole 125 division is just kind of like, it's in the flux. It's a weird place. It is. And, which sucks. I hope that they, uh, with the new champ, that uh was Cejudo, you know what I mean? But Cejudo's it's like, a bad man. But now you got all these these bantamweights calling him out, and it's like uh, Joseph Benavides just beat um what's his name? That jujitsu black belt that's a freaking hammer too. No idea. So I mean, he's got a chance of taking the belt, 
but it's like sudo has got two of them now, so it's like yeah. he's kind of getting – the candle's getting burned at both ends because he's going to have two different divisions coming at him. Yeah, and he's actually successfully like defended both divisions already. Yeah, right? When you're an Olympic Olympic gold medalist, when you're an Olympic athlete, dude, he's, he's a monster, man. And, dude, he beat Demetrius Johnson, who's – Yeah. Dude, I mean, arguably the best pound-for-pound fighter like ever. Yeah, he, he, he beat him good. It was, it was a really good fight. I think they called that spot on. You know, yeah. I think they called that fight spot on. Um, yeah, he made, I mean, the first time when he fought Demetrius, he got dropped with a knee, but he just made complete new adjustments. He looked like a completely different fighter. Yeah. And then the way he just walloped freaking Dillashaw I yeah. mean, made me giddy. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a big fan of Dillashaw, you yeah. know what I mean? And then finding out that Dillashaw's on EPO and stuff. Yeah. You've had some personal experience with Dillashaw as well, haven't you? I have. Yeah. I spent a few weeks out at Alpha Male and he just was not a genuine person. And then after talking to the rest of his teammates were like, that's just him. You yeah. It's like, but. I'm just a nobody. You know what I mean? Why would you treat me like that when yeah. I'm getting great workouts with your teammates? Yeah, I try to be nice to everybody, dude. Yeah. I'm that guy who could be friends with almost anybody. Yeah. Yeah, almost to a detriment. <laughs> I, I was kind of that kid in high school. Like, I didn't have a clique. I wasn't a jock. I wasn't a nerd. I was kind of both. I got along with everybody. Yeah. But yeah, I think I'm a pretty easy guy to get get along with. But it's just the way that he treated me. You know, certain, like, I didn't know the way that they ran certain things at the gym. And instead of, like, explaining them to me, since, hey, you've never seen me before, now I'm at this gym training. Yeah. Instead of explaining, you just kind of, like, put me down and, well, you can't do that. Do what? What are you talking about? Kind yeah, of thing. like, help but, me out. Help me out, guy. Yeah. It is Ego, what it is. man. It is. It is but, what it is. You know, and it wasn't just one occurrence. It was multiple occurrences. So I was like, hey, man, that's the type of person you are. Then you yeah. can be that person. I'm going to go hang out with these guys because Andy Ogle was there, and he was on the Ultimate Fighter. And that He's from the U.K. That dude is crazy cool. Yeah. Not what I expected. Like, after hanging out with him, I was like, yeah, this guy's cool. <laughs> the, the accent. And he never – I didn't realize that the – like, guns are outlawed in England. Mm-hmm. So he's never handled a gun. Yeah, it's a like different that. world over there. Yeah, and uh, he found my conceal and carry in my truck. And I was like, oh, he's like, oh, my God, I've never, I've never handed a gun. Oh. <laughs> so I took him out shooting a couple of times, and, uh, dude, he had a blast. Yeah, dude, and then he, crazy Wild West Americans. It was, yeah. So he's never handled a gun, and we, we went shooting, and, dude, he had a blast. He had a good time. And then I gave him some, some just some bullets, some empty shells, and he got held up at customs because he had these firearms, <laughs> these cartridges in his bag. He's like, oh, I forgot about those. And they let him, I guess they let him take them, or they confiscated them. He didn't really say, but oh, that's, yeah. that's a cool experience, though. You know? That is cool. Yeah. Just to share your culture with somebody else. Yeah. I was like, you've never shot before? Oh, no, I've never even touched a gun. Yeah. I was like, you've got Chad Mendez who runs like an uh, an outfitting. You know, they yeah, run he around. does outfitting stuff, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, it's uh, Fins and Feathers. Yeah. So he runs around like, you know, hunting stuff. And That'd be a cool gig. Dude, he's gone all over the world. I know one episode he posted, him and his dad went to New Zealand oh, and got a hunt red stag out there, which is like a, a relative of the elk, but yeah. they're much crazy Dude. antlers on them. That'd be so cool. Yeah. I'm just so enamored by hunting. It's, um, I feel like I've kind of been like putting my, my focus into like, I really want to build this business and like, I'm really just trying to get to this position where I own all my time. Cause I feel like I'm going to spend a lot of time out in the woods Yeah, and it'd be a whole lot easier whenever I'm not like worried about like making money. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. It's true. But dude, I think. From what I read, and it was, I think it was supposed to have already happened, but we're not there yet. We're supposed to be getting like an elk season in Missouri at, at some point. I mean, I know, I know they have like where you can 
like in one of those like enclosed places go hunt elk but yeah. like in the but they're supposed to be like raising elk and re, like supposed to be like growing like in naturally now yeah like, i don't know how to say that but you know what i'm saying yeah um they have released some i believe and it's down lake of the ozarks i believe i think so yeah somewhere like, down there we should be getting elks but they're not, it's not going to be anything like it's going to be with the deer population so from from what i've understood and one of the dads for my little leaguers he runs my little league program he's a conservationist from missouri yeah missouri department of conservation he's saying i think 2022 i think is when they're gonna start releasing the first tags but i think for the first few years it's going to be lottery draw yeah that makes sense lottery drawers are going to be like a high value and i'm hoping they do a lottery draw instead of the high dollar that way the wealthy individuals don't get all of the elk tags yeah if they do a lottery draw then you know someone like me could get a tag without having to spend like six grand kind right of thing. right but uh, I thought they started this process back in like 2006 or seven though. I figured we'd already kind of be at a place to where we could be hunting. Well, the population maybe didn't grow as fast as they yeah. thought they would. There's a lot of factors. Things never go as planned. No. It was like an article I read quite some time ago, but yeah. I'm just, it's exciting that yeah. we, we might be getting those though. Well, there was a last hunt, I think it was last hunting season or two years ago that like 13 year old girl shot an elk. She thought it was the biggest deer she'd ever seen. I read seen. that. She's never seen an elk before. Right. And I, Missouri Conservation came and just confiscated the, the elk. That's such a waste, dude. Like, it why, is. Like, why not let her have it? It was an accident. Even even if they didn't let her have it, at least, you know, there's, have you heard of uh, Share the Harvest? No, what's that? Okay, so as a deer hunter, you can, if you drop a deer, but you don't want to keep the meat or you don't want to, you can give a lot of it to Share the Harvest. And oh. what they do is they, they process the deer and then they give it to shelters or See, needy cool, families man. yeah like, it's give just the meat to somebody give the meat to people that, that need it don't you know let it go mean? waste no and there's a you know stephen kemp i don't neil kemp's brother oh, okay yeah neil kemp's brother like so um got to know him pretty well he coached with us and um his wife refuses to buy any meat so they live the only thing that she purchases is vegetables you know what i mean that's stuff a good like way that. to go the only thing the only meat they live off of is what he hunts and kills nice so he he usually get puts down four deer a year you know you, you can put down two deer um in bow season and two in, in uh, rifle you get if you wanted to do all bow could you do that yeah you can hunt bow during rifle season you just have to follow the rifle rules okay so the camo changes with rifle you have to wear orange vest and an orange hat yeah um and bow you don't okay I mean, cause yeah, cause you don't, you don't want to get shot by some of the, there's, there's not a lot of s smart hunters out there. You know what I mean? Some of the newbies, like they just see movement, they just start pulling triggers, Yeah, which is unfortunate. So that is unfortunate. And we, you talk to some hunters, you know, you see them out there with like an AK 47. You're like, what do you need 30 shots for? Like the rule is you're only supposed to have three, sh three rounds in your clip. Oh, really? Max. Yeah. I know that. There's a lot of rules like that. Yeah. Especially with like uh, waterfowl ducks, you have to have a, a plug that uh, only allows you to hold three rounds, one in the chamber and then two in the clip. Oh. But with rifles, you're only supposed to have three. Hmm. Did not know that. Yeah. You know, some of those guys that have those huge banana clips, you know, it's like, why do you need 30 shots to put down a deer? Like, if, well, if, if you're, you're not a good hunter, you don't. Yeah, if you're a good hunter, it's one shot, one, you know, one kill. That's yeah. what I've always been taught. You, what, you should drop it with one round. As clean as possible, man. Yeah. Yeah, man. Huh. So let me go back to fighting a little okay. bit. What's, <laughs> I love talking about hunting, dude. Yeah. I know we got back to that, but um, what's camp looking like for you, dude? I mean, how do you like to train? What's what? I mean, recovery, you know, sleep, nutrition. What's that all look like Ooh. for you? So my girlfriend is she's a CrossFit coach, so she kind of keeps we do the meal prep thing together. So you try not to even think about that. Let her handle. 
she she handles as much as she can but it's like for my last fight when i fought for bellator she was like this needs to be consumed by five o'clock this needs to be eaten by this time like you need this you need this and a lot of the stuff like she's i've kind of re- been stuck in my mindset when it's like oh just chicken rice and broccoli that's kind of like those are healthy things and that's all i need to eat she's yeah. like no you need carbs but you need good carbs and you need this and you need this and I, you know, I'm not even thinking about that. And I felt great. I was super small for that fight, but I felt great. Yeah. You know what I mean? And she was she was spot on. She's she understands how the macros and all that stuff work. She just got her degree from Linwood in exercise science, um, so she she's amazing in all that aspect. Um, but I like to you know train two three times a day, well at least twice a day. Yeah. Try to get my running and conditioning in, and I do that all by my, you know on my own. And then um, good training class of striking, grappling, MMA, whatever the case is. Um, three, four days a week. And then usually like one rest day, but then I don't know. Sometimes you never feel like you're doing enough. Yeah. It, it's, it's frustrating. Like sometimes things don't work out, you know, you have a car issue or people didn't show up to the gym or whatever the case is. And you feel like, man, I didn't do enough today, but it's, yeah. I mean, that's the mental, that's like the problem with MMA because there's so much to do. Yeah. Yeah. Do you lift during while you're, you're training in the camp or anything like that? I do, but it's like try to maintain or maybe more and more cardio or, uh, endurance muscles instead of like, I'm not trying to bulk up kind yeah. of thing. So I'll, I'll lighter weight, high reps kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mostly like calisthenic type stuff. I'll do pull ups or, you know, maybe a little bit of bench here, some, some back flight, something, something just to keep the, uh, the body nice and strong, but being able to hold that strength for the entirety of the fight. Right, right. How many times a week would you say you do that? Three or four. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, and that's part of like your uh, so I mean one of your two or three workouts of the day. Yeah. Dang, dude. Try to get up. I mean, since I don't, yeah, I'm on summer break right now. Yeah. You know, I have the luxury of getting up at like six in the morning, going to club fitness or whatever it is, getting my run and getting a nice little lift in, coming home, eating breakfast, and then morning jujitsu. Go to morning jujitsu and. Kirk runs a great class. Yeah, I like I like the format that he runs it because it's not just technique, 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 roll if you want kind of thing, which has kind of been the norm for some other classes. But it's like, hey, we're gonna do this, but we're gonna do a guard pass drill from this position. And I was like, man, I really like this. And the uh, the number of bodies that have come in have really made it very diverse, which is kind of good. Yeah, I gotta check out his class. He does. He doesn't growing amazing, dude. Oh yeah, he does a great job with it too. And some of the positions, like we did a uh, knee shield half guard knee shield and i was like oh dude like this isn't really a position really is taught in a traditional and i think that's a problem with a normal jiu-jitsu class is like you get all these newcomers so it's like well let's refresh our memory on arm bars and triangles yeah. and omoplatas some of that higher level jiu-jitsu in different positions kind of gets just brushed to the side it's oftentimes like, you, you got to know the basics and i and i agree with that the basics are key but it's like we can drill the basics and then build on that yeah. with higher level technique. Yeah, I mean, there's that. Yeah, man. <laughs> I kind of like slow down coming to Wednesday class because it's like I'm like the highest belt in there most of the time. Yeah. And like one day I came in early and I was working. I, was, I just shrimped for probably 30 minutes on my own. Yeah. And then fucking we come in and Rice House, we're just shrimping for yeah. the next. So I did like two hours of shrimps, <laughs> which I was great at shrimping and like that's pretty cool to do that. But it's just like. It gets really old constantly yeah. working on white belt shit. It's like yeah. I'm trying to advance my game just a little bit further. Yeah. So, I mean, there's... And, and it's hard, too, in the fact that uh, you end up becoming, like, an assistant coach. Yeah. Like, because there's only one of him, and if there's, like, 30... It's like you see somebody that needs help, you're like, well... Let me help them. Let me help them I out. Can't, I, can't, I, know like, this I can't, like, not help them well, right yeah, now. Yeah, <laughs> I can't do that. I can do this move a thousand more times, or I can do it a hundred times and then show you and adjust you, and yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what happens every time I try to do a Monday class with Alan. It ends up turning into me and Alan running a class. Yeah. Instead of, you know, me trying to get a good workout in. 
Yeah, we're we're kind of in that place. It is, but it's, it's, it's a I don't know, it's a fine line to walk, especially yep. when you're trying to compete. It is, but uh, but camp's going good. We got respect show this weekend, uh, this Saturday. So kind of getting prepped and ready for that too. That's dope. Oh yeah, you're competing on that. Yeah. Oh dude, I didn't know that. Yeah. I should have looked at the card. <laughs> I just don't keep up with as much as I There's, used to, man. Yeah. It's um, hard. They asked me out of nowhere. They came. Uh, the, the the matchmaker hit me up. Was like, hey, would you want to do respect? And I was like, yeah. Like, uh, we got a guy out of Houston that's like 160 pounds, and I'm like. Okay, sounds good, but I'm I'm very skeptical in this because I don't want to risk my Muay Thai fight either. Yeah, you, you don't know? get injured or anything. Yeah, so I mean, it's, I'm not going to put myself in any bad position, but I'm a I'm a competitor too, so yeah. it's like I'm not just yeah. I mean, the my Muay Thai coaches have talked about this. Like, if you get in a position, just just tap. Just tap. Yeah, yeah, no big deal. But I'm also in the position too. If I walk out there and this dude walks out at like 180, it's like that's not a 160 guy. That's kind of in my mind. I'm like, I'm hoping they're not doing that. Well, he does fight at 160, but that's He's like cutting. And yeah, all that. yeah. Well, you can you can assess that situation pretty quickly. Yes. and make a choice. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I'm gonna, the thing is, in my mind, I'm like, I see myself walking out on the mat. This dude, like Carlitos's size, walks out, and I'm just like, yeah, no thanks. Yeah. See you later. Hopefully that's not the case. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be uncool for sure. Yeah. Dang, dude. Well, that'd be fun though. Yeah. Get that submission. Yeah. One more. One more. Hopefully, get your black belt after that or something. <laughs> so I found out um, Voggy is going to do Master Worlds next summer, but this will be like his last competition. Oh yeah. So I'm hoping, not hoping. If I don't have my black belt perfect, that way I can go do Master Worlds get on next podium. year. Get on the podium and then progress from there. Because yeah. I don't think I've competed. I can competed at Nogi Worlds a few years back as a brown belt. But when I first got my brown belt, I was like, <laughs> "It's funny because uh, I was like, dude, I I am not a brown belt. Rock's House was still a brown belt, and I got promoted. And I'm like, dude, this is this is not this is not right. And Rice House was like, "What are you talking about?" I was like, "You're telling me that I'm four stripes behind you." And he's like, "Look, dude, it's like it's not your job to determine where you're at at yeah. your belt level. Yeah. It's like that's not your job. Your job is just to train and get better." He goes, if this is what your coaches see, this is what your coaches see. So, like, I saw it from, like, a, I don't want to say a negative point, point of view. Other people are like, oh, well, I should be more stripes or I should be a higher belt. But it's like, again, it's not your job to assess where you're at at your belt level. It's your job just to get better. And so that really kind of hit home when he was like, dude, it's like, if that's what they feel, that's what they feel. Yeah. And I really didn't feel like I was there until Nogi Worlds. And I was like hanging and beating and I was up like a weight class or two weight classes and I was beating yeah. these guys and I was like, okay, I guess I really am at this level. And so just now it's like just sitting back and just really trying to fine tune my game. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which, which you can't really do against Rice House because he's already submitted me 15 times in his mind. Dude, you're always getting better with Rice House. <laughs> yeah. Even when you don't think you are, you are. <sighs> yeah, man. He's teaching you lessons you don't even know about. Yeah. Or you haven't learned yet. <laughs> and then like next week you're like, oh, I get it. Got it. Got yeah. it. It's all coming full circle. Yeah. <sighs> well, so dude. yeah, respect's coming up, man. And it's hoping to go get a good 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 competition in it's it's only a six minute match so if yeah. i win i win if i lose i lose who cares and that's i think one thing that's helped me out a lot too is in my mindset on things like i compete because i love to compete yeah like so this this muay thai fight like of course i want to win but my whole focus isn't i gotta win i gotta win i got i was like i'm going out there just to just touch this dude's face kick him in the head like just throw my combos i'm focusing on the little things not the the end result yeah because that's i think that's something that all fighters and all competitors fall back into is we're so worried about the outcome and not what it takes to get to that outcome. Yeah. Do I have my best roles and I just focus on just like being in good position, make sure I'm getting underhooks, make yeah. sure like just the little things. Yeah. When those are on point, everything else 
comes like it just comes naturally yeah and then we got that sub five tournament coming up in august or september yeah i'm hoping that happens man i thought the the parameters of that have changed i thought it was gonna be five on five at one time i was like sweet this is so cool (laughs) 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 that's what what i thought it was gonna turn into i was like carlito's throwing me at him kind of thing you know what i mean me on carlito's shoulder choking people that's what i thought was gonna be kind of happening you know but then they're like no it's like a dual meet it's like quintet yeah i was like that's not as cool yeah We'll, we'll make we'll make happen. I know Kyle Watson's team has um, I think it's Kyle Watson, Nick Sanders, um, Josh McKinney, uh, all black belts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jeff Scholes and one other person, like all gotcha. black belts. Gotcha. <laughs> Our team is like all like brown belt. We have three brown belts and two purple belts. Yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> hey, you know it'll be fun. Yeah, it will be fun. It'll be fun. Well, dude, man, we've been talking for a little bit now. Um, Let's wrap this up. Okay. Um, this has been so much fun, though, dude. Yeah. We'll have to do this again. For sure. Yeah. Um, I'm going to turn the floor over to you. If, if there's uh, anything that you want to plug, sponsors, things coming up, if you want to plug your socials. <laughs> you're, not, you're, not a, oh, uh, you're not an advertiser, dude. You don't like to talk about yourself. I don't like talking about myself, <laughs> man. Uh, but, um, you, said, know, you said that in the, the gym the other day. I was like, man, I think he's right. Yeah. I've, I mean, I've lived my life. I enjoy it. But it's yeah, it's not always about me. It's about sharing my knowledge. Well, That's we were what just like talking to... about, dude. You felt bad about pursuing your career as a fighter at the highest level the ufc yeah because you missed help coaching your kids dude like that's where your that's where your heart is it is helping man. others it is it's 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 enjoyable to help someone else succeed so um wrestling and then like everything we talk about like focusing on little things like it's when i talk to my kids and they're asking me questions how do i get over this hump and it's like dude literally like i'm speaking to them but back to myself you yeah. know what i mean it's like it's funny how everything i say to them i'm re- i'm like listening i'm like am i really saying this because i need to like listen to myself talk here oh yeah um i had a kid that came out this year um he transferred over from a private school i wish i would have had this kid more than just one year we grew so much in one year it's like what we could have done in like two to three years yeah and uh unfortunately state tournament in the quarterfinals we get caught mm. we're wrestling scramble happens we get caught on our back we get pinned and like it was, it was heartbreaking for me because I was like, this kid. We were doing two, three extra workouts a week. Like he'd call me up. Like and that's the thing is, is I tell all my kids, I go. I think I saw you working with that kid yeah. over Christmas. Break. I tell my kids, all my kids, this. I was like, I'm, I'm a resource that you can utilize. It's a phone call. I have access to Matt's at all times, and he's one of three kids that have ever taken up on that. One is a uh, Nick McGee, who's like my little brother. I got a freshman kid that he's going to be sophomore this year who's hit me up on it. He's going to be a monster. And then this last kid, Eric Lovelace. Um, so we're meeting at the gym. We're working out. This kid works so hard. I mean, dad's really into it. Dad wrestled from Mizzou as well. Okay. Um, and he's like, it's like, I just, I have to win a state title. And so I, I asked him, I was like, are you going to be enough without that medal? Are you enough without the state medal? Because if you're not enough without it, you'll never be enough with it. Right. And that's a, that's a quote I heard from a movie, but it's like, it's it true. hits, it's so true. It's like, yeah. it's a piece of metal that's got some letters on it. Like that defines who you are as a person. I go, no. And then when he lost in the quarterfinals, like, dude, it, it broke my heart. You know, I'm like trying to talk him through it. It's like, it's just a piece of metal. Yeah. What you do after this adversity kind of smacks you down, defines your character, who you are as a person. You can quit, walk away and, and nobody would think anything of it. But the way he battled back and then he had to wrestle that kid for third and he smashed him. Oh. I was like, that, that I think was a better ending I mean, we would have loved to have wrestled in the state finals, but right. the kid that he would have wrestled, I, I honestly feel, and I still feel this, like if he would have wrestled Jeremiah Reno from Liberty in the state finals, he would have beat him. Mm. 
but that was his focus the whole time. His focus wasn't the match in front of him. He wasn't present in that moment. Yeah. Which I think that happens to a lot of people. We're so focused on where we want to be instead of what we're dealing with. Yeah, man. You you look over like the immediate yeah. you know obstacle to for that other thing. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he just it's just a lapse in judgment. You know what I mean? But he battled back like a true warrior. You know. That matters. I was like, dude, that's wrestleback suck. That's that's gonna carry more dividends in life is being able to battle back from that than than winning a state title. Yeah, I go because there's a there's a guy that we both wrestle with or both know pretty well. I go never won a high school state title, but he's got two national championships. Hmm. That Dickman? No. Oh, uh, Diefenbach. Diefenbach, man. Diefenbach. I tell the story about Diefenbach all the time, man. And these kids are like, "What?" I go, "Yeah, there's a guy. He's in this gym right now because he coaches at Marquette." Oh, okay. I was like, "This guy." was like the number one seed all four years, like was a phenomenal high school wrestler, just couldn't put it together at the state tournament. Never won a state title. Yeah. I go, buddy, he beats Mark Perry in Iowa his senior year while he was wrestling for Oklahoma State, won two national titles at Linwood. Was a three-time national finalist. I go, the dad's a freaking, he's Deep a monster. He's a monster, dude. Yeah. I was like, yeah. I was like, so if that doesn't speak dividends of it, of just hard work and constantly pushing, yeah, I don't know what will. Dude, Sanchez didn't do shit in high school. End up being an All American. I think he won nationals. No. Andrew National. Sanchez. Yeah, Andrew yeah, Sanchez. I think he won it twice. In college, in high school? No, in college. Yeah, in college. Yeah, yeah. so two time national champion, right? Yeah, three time finalist, two time champ. I believe. Did, didn't even place in high school Jeez. ever. That's like, crazy. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah, it's just being around the right people, right people pushing you, motivating you. So yeah. But yeah. All right. See, we're going to just keep kind of talking. We're just going to keep running. Yeah, well, you don't have to promo anybody if you don't want to. I'm just saying that you shine light on uh, other people. If, if you, you want to follow the Gremlin. Yeah, if you want to follow the Gremlin, my uh, my Instagram is MMA Gremlin. Yeah. And then my. I'm putting the show notes anyway. Okay, that's cool. And then my uh, my Twitter is MMA. Okay. Are you on Twitter much? I, it's funny because I use all my social media just to promote my wrestlers mm-hmm. and fights. That's pretty much all. Like I don't try to get too much into any debates or anything like that. But yeah. it's like I just retweet my kids and their success. Yeah. And then uh, posting stuff about fights or anything like yeah, that. That's cool. Up. Just keep sharing positivity, man. Yeah. And my dogs. That's about it. Yeah. Oh, dude. Well, I'll put this in the show notes, man. Dude, this has been such a good time, Josh. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on. All right, brother. Well, everybody. Until next time. All right, guys. I hope you found value out of that episode if you did do me a solid man just go tell a friend just one friend i just need you to tell one and if they tell one and if they tell one that's how this grass roots shit works all right just go tell a friend i'm um, also leave a rating leave a review especially on apple Podcasts. if you could leave a five-star rating and a review there it'll help out the show a ton and you know share it um yeah man just just get the word out there and this episode and every episode is brought to you by imposed will imposed will impose your will on life that's is what we are about we are building a community um of folks like you like me who don't want to live a mediocre life who want to get the most out of the life that we have through healthy habits through difficult challenges we build our mindset and we become mentally tough um and it can all start with just changing the way we say you know we look at things and by simply saying i will not that i might not that i'll try I will. You commit and you do. So join us. Come over, check us out. Imposedwill.com. We have apparel that you can get. You can get on the signing list, uh, get on the mailing list and stay up to date with everything that's going on. Imposedwill.com. Impose your will on life. That's all I have for you guys. Thanks again. Uh, we'll see you next time. Mwah.